Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. Wide receiver draft preview. The last position draft preview we're, uh, we're doing of the year. Getting a little emotional. Now, don't relax. We still have our, our mock draft and draft episode coming out later this week. Then our first round recap. And then our round two through seven recap. And then the offensive undrafted free agent recap. And then the defensive undrafted free agent recap. But this is the last positional uh, preview. Justin, how are you, my man? <sighs> Happy. Happy that this is over. Um, <laughs> this is... This has been this has been a lot of work. Now it's very fun looking at players. Um, it's it's great looking at so many different players. Bobby, odds are, you know, Giants may not draft a, a single one of these 80, 80, 90 players that we have looked at. You've had twenty five film breakdowns, and not all of those film breakdowns that you put out on the YouTube channel have made it into your rotation or into our, into our rotation of players that we've looked at. So there, the crazy thing about the NFL draft is that it is so unpredictable. But still, it's it's fun to think of of you know what this team needs, especially at wide receiver. Thinking about what player could fit this team, what players, even though they're so exciting, maybe they don't fit this team. Hey, can the Giants can, can they actually like adjust? Can Jason Garrett like adjust? That's a fun offseason question. We asked the same thing last year. Can Jason Garrett be like different and evolve? The answer was no. But it's fun to think about right now. So um, it it's this Thursday. It's it's this week. It's happening. It's right now. Um, I think we're gonna kill it content wise on the YouTube channel today. We have like three YouTube. We have three different videos coming out um, on the YouTube channel today. Uh, a longer, a, two like longer form podcasts. Um, there's gonna be a lot of content on the channel this week. There's gonna be a lot of content on the podcast app. So I'm very excited for it. Very excited. You know who else is excited? Justin, Jason Simmons. How about that? That's that's kind of crazy. Jason Simmons is on. Uh, uh, on here he's actually bill simmons um son did you know that oh no you know didn't know bill that. simmons has a son named ben and so it's ben simmons like the basketball player tough and, and i think all of bill bill simmons listeners are just seeing like a, a snotty like brat being like growing up before i feel bad saying that but it's just like bill kind of says it himself we got buddha <laughs> gonzalez Usually don't see Budo with Gonzalez. You know, I I hate the stereotype, but it's like usually it's it's those usually don't go two to get two together. But that's Buddha Gonzalez. How about that? Welcome, Buddha. Opposites attract. Buddha's our guy, and then Patrick Castro. Um, I know I know this person. I think he's a Twitter person. Tw- Patrick, I think Patrick has been a Patreon. I feel like we've seen him in our live streams before. So I don't know if he's doubling up or maybe he re-upped. I don't know. Pay the pay, pay. That's why I say at the end of every month you got to pay the credit card bills. It's it's coming up. You got to pay the credit. But it card says bills. a new one, so I don't know what the deal is. I feel like, I, but I'm pretty sure Patrick Castro has been a, a patron before. If not, he's always been a big supporter. Justin, who are these people? Are we going to offer Patreon streams the night of the draft, like after we make our first round pick? No. Yeah. It's gonna be like two three a. Yeah. Two three a. If they're up. They're up. All right. All right, so if you wanna if you wanna be like the first person to see our uh, our live draft reactions, you know thir- Thursday night slash it, it will be Friday morning. You go to patreon.com slash talking giants. And for two dollars a month, you get to support us. You get some magnets. Bobby will send you some magnets, and twice a month, you get access to uh, a free a uh, free shirt raffle. You could possibly win a free shirt. Um, so patreon.com slash talking giants. Thank you, patrons. All right, just wonderful patrons. We got, we're gonna we're gonna preview the wide receiver class. We're gonna redraft our last two picks of the twenty twenty draft. Um, but since we are talking, we are previewing the wide receiver class, Justin. I do want to talk about because me and you have kind of been locked in since the since the Gall you know Galladay was signed and we kind of moved into draft content. I think me and you have kind of both been in the boats like, hey, really hoping Slater falls to eleven because Slater's our guy. I think both of us will take AVT. Um, and it's kind of turned into this like O line versus receiver debate, and then there's the edge, um, you know, pl- you know, plus Micah Parsons, and what about a corner? But I think a lot of it has turned into like wide receiver versus O line, and we are in the O line camp, but wide receiver is right there for me, especially you know, you know, Jalen Wall and Devontae Smith would be so freaking exciting. They would they would be thrilling picks. They would be awesome picks for this offense. You know, be putting a lot of faith in the offensive line. Like I feel like, because I, I at least myself has been kind of entrenched in like, hey, I'm I'm really hoping for Slater or or AVT at that pick eleven. That is like, oh, you guys are not against taking wide receivers. It's like, no, it's just this is where I stand. 
Why, these wide receivers can change your offense. Now, can we block? We'll see. But these wide receivers can change your offense, and both would be great fits for the personnel we have right now. Yeah, and particularly you're talking about the options at 11. You know, you're talking Devonta Smith and you're talking Jalen Waddell. But my whole thing is, you know, you do have to drift for need. You you kind of do. Yeah, you don't like, reach, you, but people <laughs> the idea that it's just best player available at all times is just not based in reality. Now, you again, you don't reach. So, like, I'm not taking Christian Dershaw at 11. But, yeah. but like, need always, especially in the first round, is 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 a part of the, is a part of the plan. Yeah. And there are a lot of wide receivers that could possibly be there at, you know, day 2, early day 2 that you kind of feel really good about. You kind of feel really good about are they as explosive as Jalen Waddle? You know, I I I don't I don't think so. I think Jalen Waddle is the most explosive player in this draft class. Are they as steady, complete, well-rounded and well-versed as DeVonta Smith is? Definitely not. But I think you can get there's some really good value at wide receiver and we and we preview we don't even preview all of the guys that could be there in round two. I think Bobby and I we mostly we kind of touched on some guys that could be there round three, round four, maybe that's reaching. But you know, we there's solid depth at this wide receiver spot. And here's the thing, Bobby, of the thing that's circling through my brain right now. I said this kind of like in my little intro. Is Jason Garrett going to evolve? Is is you know, bringing in all of these different offensive assistants and offensive consultants is promoting Freddie Kitchens. Is Joe Judge being part of the collaborative process and having an offseason to self-evaluate? Is that going to do anything for how we play call on offense? Is this going to be an offense that, and now I'm talking specifically about creating explosive plays, because if there's anything with the Giants that they need to do better next year, it's creating explosive plays. Because if they can create explosive plays, I think that one thing, it impacts Saquon Barkley. And this is throwing the ball, by the way. It makes Saquon Barkley that much better when he's running the ball. It makes Daniel Jones that much better when he's running the ball. It makes the offensive line better because then teams aren't blitzing it, blitzing us as much. It does those three major things by expanding the field more. And if Jason Garrett can evolve, and if he and if we draft like Jalen Waddle, we will have no choice but to evolve. But if we draft a guy like Devonta Smith, it's like, yeah, you know, then we just have a really good wide receiver too next to Kenny Galladay. And again, I think that's a safe pick. Or there's a lot of big explosive play options in round two, three, four that they can get. And I feel very good about that value. Yeah, man. Um, but I, I also see it. Like, I do see, like, I am I am tempted. Like, I am very firmly in, like, the offense, you know, in the Slater AVT camp or Sewell if somehow he fell or, or whatever happened. Um but wide receiver and these two, and because of how good these two players are, are not far behind. It is very close. Right. I, I, you know, like I said, it's it will get a very similar reaction to me. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, disappointed. Like if we get an edge, you know, um, we'll talk more about it on Thursday. But I'm like, I'm not going to be dis. I'm not going to be like disappointed, but I'm not going to be thrilled like I would a, one of these wide receivers or an offensive line because these dudes can change an offense, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, this wide these wide receivers are a lot of fun. I think it's deep, although I, the top is really good. The top is really good of this class, and we I don't think it, it would not be a mistake. But also, here's something I want to say because it's now and we contributed or at least I contributed to this a little bit has kind of been like a well parrot versus Slater or versus parrot versus Slayton. Slayton has become very disrespected. Re- have you realized that? Like he was over, like he got overrated. Coming out of his rookie year, and then, you know, going into year two, it's like, can he be wide receiver one? And then he has that Pittsburgh game, and then, like, I think that might have been my biggest overreaction of the 2020 season was, like, reacting to that Pittsburgh game. Like, yeah, Slayton could be wide receiver one. But this idea that he's, like, some scrub wide receiver three, four, it's crazy to me. And, and you know, we said it when the Galladay signing happened. I think, you know, after Jones, of course, Slayton's the biggest benefactor to Kenny Galladay. He got cornerback one treatment. Okay, Sterling Shepard played on the outside the majority of the season. He didn't get cornerback one treatment. He didn't get safety help over the top. That was Darius Slayton, and he's not going to get that anymore. I just feel like Darius Slayton has become so disrespected. It's like, like, like I saw someone say like what his ceiling is, and it's like, dude, you realize the numbers you just spit out are worse than his rookie year where he didn't even play 16 games? Like, what we saw in his rookie year is not a fluke. Like, I... Darius Slayton has it just has become I feel like become the most disrespected player 
on the Giants. It's like this idea, like, oh, he's a wide receiver four. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy fit. Like, he's gonna like if we don't even get a wide receiver at all in the draft. I feel like he fits in perfectly for what the Giants and what Daniel Jones is good at. I was thinking about this today because it, it's almost like any position that the Giants could target besides besides edge. Any position that the Giants could target besides edge in the draft, no matter what round. But particularly, you know, Bobby and I, we like to think that you you kind of want to combine like talent, value, and need in rounds one through three. And then four through seven, like knock your socks off, go get who's best on the board, right? So I was thinking about this today. Literally for every position that the Giants have or they're thinking about drafting besides edge, wide receiver, it's like, ooh. But, you know, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, we feel like they could be solid compliments to Kenny Galladay. Uh, linebacker. Oh, Blake Martinez, but you also have like Tay Crowder, and we just signed uh um what's his face from Detroit? Give me Raglan. give me his name. Thank you, Reggie Raglan. But then uh that's not a reason not to dra- now, by the way, these are these are not excuses to not draft somebody. But offensive line, if you draft a guard, oh, but what about like oh we we the Giants think they have like something in Lemieux. Oh, the Giants think well, we kind of like Will Hernandez, former second round pick. Oh, if you draft a tackle, oh, but there's Matt Parrott, former third round pick. Where you know what happens to them? So it's literally every position which you can have like that little argument there, of like oh you know if you draft a wide receiver, what happens to Darius Slayton? I feel like Darius Slayton's being disrespected. Yeah, it's, bit. It, well, I, it's it's that's the one guy people don't care about like drafting over. You know, it's like. Well, we can't draft over Matt Parrott. It's like, why not? Like, I would, I would and rather every draft over guy... Matt Parrott than Darius Slayton. It's, it's the unknown factors that we haven't seen a lot of Parrott. Right. You know, like I guarantee you, like we're much higher rookie year after Darius Slayton's rookie season than Matt Parrott. And then it's like, well, corner. Well, yes. It's like, well, why do we want to draft over Darnay Holmes? Now I'm, I like I said, I'm okay drafting over players. Like I, it's not an issue. But it's like people will say corner. It's like, well, we we got a Dory Jackson and James Bradbury. What, you want to draft over Darnay Holmes, who I thought had a really solid rookie season? Now, you can go do that. I'm fine with it. But it's like Darius Slayton has become the only player where it's just totally acceptable to draft over. And he's the guy who's shown the most out of those guys at a position that, you know, is directly correlated to our quarterback. He's the one that's shown the most. Parrott hasn't shown the most. He's shown basically nothing, Parrott. Like, they didn't even start him for one game. They didn't feel good with him starting one game. In 2020, and now we're expecting him just to be a, a grand slam. Now, I like Pear. I think he's got more potential than you would see in most third-round offensive tackles. But potential doesn't win you nothing. Potential is simply that, potential. Yeah, and that's the talking point that I had a couple weeks ago, but the hope, right? The the hope that a player can turn around. The Giants were hoping that Eli Apple were, was going to turn around. The Giants were hoping that Eric Flowers was going to turn around. They just never found uh, another alternative to that. Bobby, but also with the thing with Matt Parrott, people are going to point to the COVID and people are going to point to like the ankle injury. Oh, you know, oh, but if, if he didn't have COVID or if he didn't suffer an ankle injury, he would have been starting a lot sooner. I don't think so. Like they they talked they talked about how much they glowingly loved Cam Fleming like throughout the season. And I so like I I think we should stop at that. And point. that's why I would I you know AVT is obviously a guard. Ray Sean Slater. There's been this debate. Um, although you know the anyway anyways, but that's why I would hope one of those guys does play guard is because I like Parrot more than I do. Like I have more hope for Parrot than I do Lemieux or Hernandez because Parrot does have some really good traits and potential. So that like that would be my dream is that that guy could come in and fill that guard spot and then Parrot could be good at right tackle. So it's it's you know I just am in the boat of like hey this offensive line you can't I, I feel like you can't just leave it like this and I yeah, don't think drafting in the third ass. round is a solution to that you know right and and ultimately you know to come full circle back to my point you know uh, drafting third drafting a third round offensive lineman and expecting to him to come in here day one and contribute. Uh, I think that's kind of silly, and I think it's more realistic to expect a wide receiver that you draft in round two, round three, to kind of come in here. You know, maybe not to produce fully, but to come in here and have a have a solid rookie season where he gets some reps, and you know, he can compliment Slayton, he can compliment Shepard. You can, you know, if God forbid Galladay misses time, and then dude, like your numbers being called. So um, I think that is in my brain and how we've evaluated things. I think that is a much more um, I don't want to say realistic, but it's a scenario I would like to explore. So, but nevertheless, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, if their name is called at eleven, um, we're excited. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, then we're changing. Then we're changing our brains, Bobby, and we're saying, guess what? 
these guys are going to take the top off the of defense. Defenses aren't going to be blitzing us as much, and that's automatically going to improve the offensive line. That's where we're switching our. Yeah, tape there's to. great there's great arguments for both, and that's why it's a that's why it's a tough decision. Yeah. All right, Justin. Let's do our. All right, let's finish off the redraft for 2020. I feel like this segment's got better as it, as as this went along, where at first it was kind of awkward. Um, to recap, we have redrafted the 2020 NFL draft. We have the last two seventh round picks, 247 and 255 left. To recap, I pick Andrew Thomas, Chase Claypool, Alton Robinson, Darnay Holmes, Michael Onwenu, Jordan Fuller, Carter Coughlin, and then James Robinson with the first eight picks. You took Justin Jefferson, Xavier McKinney, Tyree Phillips, who sucks, Darnay Holmes, Michael Onwenu, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Derek Tuska, and J.J. Taylor. So, to finish it off, Justin... We have uh, pick seven, round seven, pick 247, and then Mr. Irrelevant. So, 247. Last year in my mock draft, guess who? Do you remember who mine was? It was a running back. No. No. Javon Leak. Oh, oh. Our guy, Javon Leak. How about that? You took Graylin Arnold. Who the hell is that? I think he's a, he's a corner for the Eagles. Fun. And the Giants took Chris Williamson, who uh, didn't make the roster out of Minnesota. Rest in peace, um, Justin. I am taking the guy that you took last. I'm going. I'm going. JJ Taylor, running back. I am doubling up at running back. I have James Robinson. Now I have JJ Taylor. I got running back two and three. And when Gallman leaves, we don't need to sign Devonte Booker now because now we have James Robinson, choo 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 choo, and JJ Taylor. I'm gonna one up you. I'm going to go take Crowder right now. So you're going undrafted free agent, Mr. Irrelevant, then? Correct. That's literally all you could do. Because Tay Crowder deserves to not be Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm going to give him that justice that he deserves. Say, so you're trying to win with the fans, but I'm going to I'm going to win with facts. How about that? You're trying to win <laughs> people with emotions. You know what the thing that I learned about this, Bobby? Um... It's hard to be a GM because even when you have the opportunity to redraft the draft class, I still found a way to screw. Well, it when up. you look back at our drafts and like you look at it, it's like, man, it's crazy what's possible with the draft. Where it's like we could literally get starters at every position. It's crazy, uh, and 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 with ten picks in the NFL draft. All right, so you uh, you took Tay Crowder. I'm taking JJ Taylor. So Mister Irrelevant. Last year the Giants took Tay Crowder. What do the two people that B and you both put in our mock drafts have in common? Now, I took Jason Pierre, or sorry, not I always say Jason Pierre because of JPP. James Pierre, who was a corner at FAU, and he um, transitioned to safety with the Steelers. You, I just gave it away, and you had Carlos um, Diaz, who was a defensive tackle who went to uh, from Nebraska, who went to the Steelers. Yes. So that was my thing that was in common. I gave it away. They both went to the Steelers. Who had more tackles, James Pierre or Carlos Diaz? I'm willing to bet James Pierre. Yeah, he had seven. Carlos Cause, had four. Because you're smart. Because you're because you just wanted to prove you're smarter than I am. Of course, of course. All right, so I'm going to take Crowder. Good job, New York Giants. You got this one right. I'm going to take Crowder. I'm going Hunter Bryant, tight end out of Washington. We pre- I think we previewed him last year. No, we um, six- we previewed Harrison Bryant. Ooh, tough FAU. for me. Speaking of FAU, tough for me. Hunter Bryant though. 6'2", 248 pounds. Um, he was, like, projected to go in, like, the third round, Hunter Bryant. Um, and he just didn't get drafted, and he was signed by Detroit. He didn't really do much, but I'd like to think. one catch for 44 yards. Yep. Well, that one catch was a damn good one. He made a count. Hunter Bryant out of Washington, that is my Mr. Relevant. So I calculated something, Justin. You know how That's... Pro Football Reference has AV? Yes. value? My total draft has 45 approximate value. Yours has 36. And really, yeah, when great. you look back at you taking Justin Jefferson and me taking Andrew Thomas, which is like, you know, your guy had like double AV. I did, I did, I did pretty damn well. Yeah, you did. Good job. I'm very proud of you. I win the 2020 redraft. Um, Congratulations. So I have my starting left tackle. I got a starting wide receiver in Claypool. I got a starting edge player in the rotation on Robinson, Darnay Holmes. Starting guard in Michael and Wainu. Jordan Fuller starting, maybe not starting as safety, but he's playing. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, I, yeah stop, stop, stop flexing. We, are, we already know you won. You, you want to know how our listeners can win Bobby Skinner? How? With DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, For wow. Some, the draft is the most exciting day of the season. 
I disagree. I think it's training camp, but for some, Bobby Skinner. Draft's really the most exciting. exciting day of the season for me. Uh, yeah. So again, Bobby Skinner just trying to say that he's better than me. Uh, for some, it is the most exciting day of the season. It's very exciting. Nevertheless, for others. It is the chance to build on last year's success. Whether your team has the first pick of the last, DraftKings Sportsbook brings the excitement to you. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app, and it's adding to the thrill of the draft for the chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if a quarterback is drafted first overall Thursday night. Bobby, I think that's a slam dunk bet. Do you want to say something? I didn't hear what you were saying. I said... So the, so the bet is um, <laughs> you can turn $1 to $100 in free bets if a quarterback is drafted first overall Thursday night. Do that. I mean, that's easy money. <laughs> do it. Turning $1 into $100 in free bets is simple. All you have to do is place a wager on any draft day outcome, and you will be eligible to win $100 in free bets if a quarterback is selected first overall. Um, think you know your team is going to think you know what your team is going to do in this year's draft. Put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY. They're literally like they're literally giving away free money. That's why I was laughing. When you sign up for a chance to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars in free bets. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is letting you turn one dollar one hundred dollars in free bets if quarterback is selected first overall this Thursday night. Don't forget to enter code JOHNBOY when you sign up. Tell your friends to sign up too. Like let them win free money. You would be a wonderful friend. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years old or New Jersey, Indiana, or West Virginia only. New customers only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT-TA. Wide receivers. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, Justin. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Let's talk about the wide receivers. We got twelve guys. We're gonna uh, we're about to talk about, or eight guys. We're gonna about to talk about. I'm getting used to us, us scaling back the amount of players, and it starts with the Alabama guys, Justin. It starts with the Bama boys at this somewhat position of need for the Giants, and we're gonna start off with the Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith, six foot one, one hundred sixty six pounds. My man's light. He he is light, and that is a talking point with Devontae Smith. The Heisman Trophy winner with obvious production in 2020 at 117 catches, over 1,800 yards, 23 touchdowns on an 80.6% catch rate. Those are unreal numbers. Had over, you know, had 1,200 yards in, in 2019, paired with 14 touchdowns, and then even in 2018 he had you know 700 yards, six touchdowns. His route running route running is really awesome, Justin. It's crazy. It's crisp. It's precise. Precise and something you notice, and I noticed this in the Georgia game the most because they played him with man with those, you know, those man corners and Eric Stokes and, and Tyson Campbell. That there was times where they were kind of sticking to him, but at the top of the route and even on a, on a curl route, he would. We talk about guys coming back to the ball. He would. He comes back to the ball, unlike you know, unlike any receiver, and that's what makes him special. Um, versus zone, he knows how to leverage players and and set himself up for easy wins to give himself space. His uh his release package coming off the line of scrimmage gives him opportunities as a as a deep balls. Although he's not a burner, like you're gonna talk about Jalen Waddle next. There is a difference wise speed and, you, and it shows up. Um, ball skills are amazing for the, of a guy that size. He makes a lot of contested catches. You know, and I, to reference the Georgia game, he was making some contested catches in that game, and that doesn't get brought up because it's like, oh, you know. Route running separation, 166 pounds. You want to think contested catch, but he can do that, um, and he, he knows how to you know adjust and high point a ball. Um, like I said, the speed isn't great. A lot of production is from scheme. Now, granted, you know, 2,000 yards and 23 touchdowns isn't all isn't all scheme. You know, like some of the all Ole Miss guys, it's really hard to judge Ole Miss players because of the scheme that Lane Kiffin put in. Um, but the scheme is really good at Alabama. But the players are more important in the scheme in Alabama. You know, like it's not like oh, Devontae Smith is scheme driven. But it's just it's just a fact that that scheme does give those guys a, a, a leg up over some others, like what Steve Sarkeesian was doing. So I don't want to like say that as a big negative. Um, but it's just like hey, you know, this concept they're just not covering Devontae Smith. He's wide open, and good job on him. But some of that did come in that from. But overall. You know, this cluster, we're not talking about Jamar Chase, but this cluster of Smith, him, and Waddle are very close. And 
I like Waddle better. Who you know, we're gonna talk about a little bit more after yours. But I I totally understand people who are like Devonte Smith, even as the number one guy. Yeah, uh, Devonta Smith I think is just the smoothest wide receiver, and outside of Jamar Chase, I think he's the safest wide receiver. And you would think at this point, you know, I, I again, this is going to be something where I I'm gonna I'm gonna um, plea. I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough to really be like the whole, oh, the whole size thing and the whole, you know, is the size thing going to impact him at the next level? But Bobby, at this point, it's not like we're talking about Devonta Smith, who's a D2 player or who's playing in like the, you know, who's playing in a conference that's a lot less competition. He's playing the SEC. And even as like the number three wide receiver in 2019, where two other wide Alabama wide receivers went in the first round, plus he had a healthy Jalen Waddle for the majority of that 2019 season, Devonta Smith still found a way to be pretty productive. You were talking about the scheme, the scheme-driven stuff. Um, he led the league. It led the league. He led um, the NCAA. Led FCS. Uh, you know, <laughs> all of college football in screen catches. He had 35. Um, you mentioned how he was sneaky good with contested catches too. He was tied for fifth in college football with 11 as well. So really, you know, being smooth and just doing everything right. Like the guy just does everything right. And I, you know, while I, I'm with you, I've always liked Waddle a little bit more just because of, I think he might have a little bit of a higher ceiling and he's more of an exciting player, but getting such a reliable player on the Giants as coming in right away as a number two. I mean, come on. That's pretty damn good. Let's talk about the size because you know how draft it takes. At, at this point, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's 166 pounds. He's going to get hurt. He's going to struggle with corners in the NFL. He's going to suck. And then the other side is like, oh, the size doesn't matter. The, it does matter. So I really do think it's it's kind of in the middle with that because he was able to do all this versus SEC production does it in different ways, like you said, whether it's screens, whether it's getting separation throughout running, whether it's contested catches. He's a do-it-all type of guy. Um, but you do notice that when he does get pressed up at the line of scrimmage, it gets him kind of off his game a little bit. You know, Now he can take advantage of you and have those contested plays, but like you see people bump him, and, and it does affect him more than it does other guys. So I don't think, you know, now he overcame that and, and balled out and did it in different ways. But the idea that, like, oh, the size just doesn't matter at all, like, it, it kind of does. Like, there's a reason that knowing this light has been that good. You know, even, like, Marvin Harrison's, like, 15 pounds heavier than him. Yeah. He's got long arms. You know, that's that's the talking point, too. So, if we're talking about, you know, going up, pinpointing a ball. Alien arms. Um, in the end, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of looks strange. The Mike, Mike Lazowski memes are pretty funny. Um, yeah, Bob, this is, this is one of those things where, I go back to it. Devonta Smith is just if if he is picked, he's a safe pick. Like this is just a safe player yeah. who just does it well. And I would be very excited for what he can do with the Giants. And I just wouldn't be as excited as if this next guy. But also, I would feel very good about the value. It's like oh, I think we're going to get good value out of this guy. Um, and odds are, with the connections that the Giants have in the building, they know these Alabama guys probably better than most. So there you go. Yeah, I, I think I, I always forget about like the Alabama connection. It's like, oh yeah, it's like it makes you feel a lot more comfortable if we do end up taking one of those two because that connection is real. Which is something that Belichick, when I know he hasn't he hasn't been great as a drafter lately, but he really used those Urban Meyer Nick Saban connections um, and turned turn you know got some good players out of it. Um, so yeah, Devontae Smith. Um, I think that's a. Uh, if there was one player who's like this is who Giants fans realist like who can realistically be there um they want I feel like it'd be Devontae Smith it might be Slater because you do have a mix of Waddle with Smith but Smith seems to be like the fan favorite right now yeah yeah I would I would certainly say that all right Bobby somebody who's a little bit more I don't want to say controversial but certainly who has a lot more risk associated to him but also I think the reward can be a lot sweeter Jalen Waddle from Alabama, 5'9", 180 pounds in my plus-plus category. He's the most explosive player in this draft class. 
Uh, and I, I, I usually don't like to speak in absolutes. I usually like to say, I feel, I think, in my opinion, IMO. But no, I think Jalen Waddell is the most explosive player in this draft class. He earned a perfect 158.3 passer rating when, target, when targeted and averaged an astonishing 12.2 yards after the catch per reception in 2019. He averaged over 22 yards per catch per reception on 10 screen plays in 2019 as well. Jalen Waddell was targeted 20 plus yards seven times in 2020 he caught six of those passes three of them were going for touchdowns 11 of his 20 career touchdowns went for 50 plus yards at Alabama the Giants have been beat by crossing routes for years crossing patterns for years on the defensive side of the ball and Jalen Waddell he's a guy that has the speed and the ability to work his way back to the ball he can work those crossing patterns. Bobby, I feel like, you know, we've had a few offensive schemes. Maybe Shermer did a little bit of it. But I don't feel, you know, I, we, I see the Giants getting beat by the crossing patterns, crossing routes for years. But I haven't felt like the Giants have, Giants also haven't really utilized that as like a, a trending sort of, a, more utilizing that more in the NFL. You know, Tyreek Hill does a lot for Kansas City. Drafting a guy like Jalen Waddell, I would hope that Jason Garrett would start to implement that. Um, he can bring a whole other element to this offense. There are plays where he catches the ball, you freeze the play, and you would bet money that he would be tackled within like a second or two. And then the play ends and he outruns half of the defense. There are no words to describe his game-changing speed. In my plus category, despite only playing in four games, Waddle went for over 100 yards receiving in each um, of those games in 2020. He has punting kick return abilities as well. In 2019, Waddle returned one of his five kickoffs for a score um, and another as a punt returner as well, averaging 24.7 yards per return, 20 total, 8.6 yards higher than anyone else in the country. He is tough for his size, even added a few contested catches to his resume, mainly thinking of a catch against Georgia last year. You mentioned uh, we both clearly uh, took some uh, took some mental note, took some notes from that Georgia game. Um, actually, he made the catch over Monty Rice, which honestly, I think that's more impressive that Monty Rice was able to keep up with Jalen Waddle and even make it a contested catch in the first place. Love but Monty Rice. But never, but nevertheless, uh, uh, Jalen Waddle, he, he's you know he's tougher. He doesn't solely just play um, like his size, so and he can make those uh, contested catches if if presented. Think of you know way more athletic Golden Tate. Minus category, complicated injury history. Missed almost the entire college season and came back in the national championship game. Made a couple of nice plays. Was limping. It's a shame that that's the last memory we have of Waddle on the brain. Him coming back, missing that entire season, and then he was limping. Like that's bad. Limited reps and limited tape. That is a minus. That's a that's a big you know minus in his on his resume. Overall, watching Waddle again. I haven't watched him since May. We previewed him in May. I did watching Waddle again. I would be incredibly incredibly happy if the Giants take him probably the player who has the biggest reward if he hits like I said but it's also a major risk because of the injury history but also honestly even more than the injury history because I'm not a doctor can Jason Garrett and the Giants utilize him correctly he is a walking explosive play he in theory is exactly what the Giants need the combination of him and Galladay would force defenses to drop more players into coverage therefore it would improve the offensive line automatically Waddle is a gotta-have-it player for me, Bobby, but really, if we were to draft him, or I, or let me even rephrase it like this, I think the reason why we're not going to draft him is because I don't think the Giants view him as a scheme fit for what they're trying to do, because the, the extent... I feel like they're changing their whole offensive scheme, right? There's no way they're... And this is, so this is why I picked some, my, my third and fourth guys on this list, you know, spoiler alert, and you can see it in the description below, so it's not like, you know, you're, you're waiting anything. I have Rondell Moore, Jalen Waddle, two kind of, they're not similar players because Rondell Moore was very much like targeted in the intermediate part of the field, but kind of like shorter stature, explosive, fast guys. And then my last two guys, uh, Amon Ron St. Brown and Nico Collins, they're very much like go up and get it, catch it kind of guys, the 50-50 contested catch kings. You know, what kind of offense do the Giants want to have? Do they want to have more of a diverse offense where obviously they need to be more explosive? Do they want to have more of a diverse offense where they're, the old, they have more than one option to produce an explosive play besides a 50-50 contested ball. Because, Bobby, that's all that they did last year throughout the passing game. That's all that they did. That's all that they relied on. Are you going to win the contested catch? That's it. That was the explosive play. It wasn't like, oh, we're going we're gonna to scheme something. We're going to create something. That wasn't it. Or it was Daniel Jones's likes. That was it. So are we going to do something different? And then Jalen Waddell adding him to the mix would be that different thing. Because you're not going to rely on him contested catching all the time. 
Or are we just going to, let's just add another contested catch king guy in the draft and then just that's the way that we're going to produce explosive plays. I just know he's the perfect fit next to Galladay. They yes. are yin, they are yin and yang, where Galladay is that guy that you're just you're describing, and Waddle's the opposite of the speed. And you do notice that in and the comparison of Waddle versus Smith. Before Waddle went down, Waddle had more yards than Devontae Smith. Can I say something? I know I've been talking a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have had I, I've I've had the take. You know, I in a way was kind of pissed watching Devonta Smith's Heisman season. Not to say that if Jalen Waddle was healthy, that, you know, Jalen Waddle would have had that Heisman season because he still would have had to compete for targets with Devonta Smith. But you you bet your, you know, I think you you bet your bottom dollar that Jalen Waddle was going to, I think he was going to produce more and have a better production-filled season than Devonta Smith. He was, he was on pace for it, and I think the writing was on the wall even in the month of May before this season. It's just a shame those injuries really kept him out because Devonta Smith, in a way, did have the season that Jalen Waddle should have had. And you notice the the speed difference. You know, I I broke when I did my Devontae Smith film breakdown. I'm like, you see how Devontae Smith is double covered right here? And he makes this, you know, like it's a contested throw. I can point you to the same exact play where Waddle splits that. And so Waddle, and Waddle has separation through that double team. And you see Waddle split double teams in coverage. And I think some people are like, oh, well, route running is more important than speed. Jalen Waddle's not a bad route runner. Like. No. You know, it's just the speed is a lot more fun to talk about than uh, with than the route running with, uh, with Jalen Waddle. But like you said, I mean, he was averaging, you know, he was having more yards than Devontae Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, you know, Jamar Chase is my one who we're not talking about. But J- Jalen Waddle's my two. Devontae Smith is my three. And those two are close. But it's clear cut to me that Jalen Waddle's my number two. And Bobby, I'm going to tell you what. I wouldn't be surprised if teams just fall in love and, you know, I don't know what the Lions, you know, Lions lost Kenny Galladay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions go wide receiver. Marvin Jones, um, too. Uh, Marvin, they lost, <laughs> so they lost both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. So, I, you know, they did just trade for, you know, a, a, a solid quarterback in, in Jared Goff. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions take a wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys are off the board because they're that good. They are, they are legitimately that good. Um, Jalen Waddle is more of the risk, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of these Alabama wide receivers are off the board by the time we get to eleven. Yeah, it's it's the draft's not going to go how we all expect. You know, it's we uh, it, there's good, there's surprises every year within the top ten, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. All right, so we got those guys now. We're now let's talk about some guys that we're not really considering an eleven that we're hoping fall to forty two or hey, you know, the outside world might think are are a reach or whatnot. This guy, man, I fell in love with him. One of one of the most fun players for me to watch. UNC wide receiver, Deami Brown, my wide receiver four. Um, I think this guy's real deal. He's six foot one, 189 pounds. Average uh, had over a thousand yards the last two seasons. Had 20 touchdowns the last two seasons. Over 20 yards per catch on a on a on a like a 65 percent catch rate the last two seasons. He is a big play vertical threat now he's not a burner but he is a big play vertical threat his releases are beautiful getting off of the line of scrimmage it's beautiful he likes to go to the inside release but he can do it all um and then once he does get that release he has an elite ability to what's called stacking is essentially just getting in front of the corner and walling that corner off like he has elite ability um doing that he's not a burner but he's a strider who wins deep balls. He is a deep ball guy, but it's not just that. Now, here's the biggest critique I see of De'Ami Brown. The route tree is limited. The route tree is limited. I don't buy that for a second. Now, his route tree was limited at UNC, but I think that was the scheme's route tree was limited more than De'Ami Brown's route tree was limited. Watch him versus Asante Samuel Jr., and he doesn't have the best stats in that game, but Asante Samuel Jr. was playing off of him, because of the of the deep ball threat, and you saw Diami show off the route running. He comes back to the ball. He makes those cuts very cleanly. He's not, he doesn't round those cuts off on the ins outs. He in fact comes back to the ball on them. So it's not even like a ninety degree angle. It's like an eighty five degree angle on those. That's something Tory Holt like said way back in the day, and it's always stuck with me. Like guys that on those like digs and ends, they don't just you know they don't try and get those cuts flat. They try and come back on them. 
Now, the deep threat sets up those routes with the digs, the curls, the slants. Like, it sets up those. Um, even in the Asante Samuel Jr. The Asante Samuel Jr. game is kind of... It, it, it's, uh, it's a game where it's like you see the route running and you see the deep ability. Uh, he killed him on a corner post route. Wide open. Should have been a 50-yard touchdown. Sam Howell misses him. Um, and then he had a touchdown on the other side. It wasn't against Asante. Now... That game also is what some people say, oh, he has drops. He did have four drops, but two of them were in that FSU game. Both of them were touchdowns, though, in the red zone. So they those drops stick out a lot to people, where it's like, if you look at him comparatively through the class, he doesn't really have a drop issue. It's just those two get remembered because that's a, you know, that's a top corner versus a top wide receiver matchup. Can make contested catches, but it's, it's not his style. Jami's wide receiver four for me. I think everyone like agrees on the top three in whatever order they have. And then everyone has their different wide receiver four. Diami's my guy, man. I really do think he's gonna. We're gonna look back and be like, man, how how we miss out on this guy? Even if he goes second round, I'm gonna. I, I think people will think that. I hope he does go second round because then we have a shot at him. Yeah. Um, 543 deep yards. That was second most in the country. Uh, 12 deep catches, tied fifth. Now, Bobby, I thought he was a little. I thought he weighed a little bit more. Like to be honest, I thought he was around like the. I thought I, I just watching him, watching maybe your film breakdown. You know, you always say like the size and the weight to kind of start off. I thought he was a little bit taller, and I thought he was a little bit more physical. You know, just looking at you know how many deep yards he had, and you know how he you know his average uh, depth of target was eighteen point seven yards, which was seventh highest in the nation too. Also, what's really fun to see, I mentioned uh, when we were like maybe during our tight end episode about how PFF, the draft guide, has like the the heat signature of the routes that you run and the areas on the field to which you're running routes and if that's above average compared to the rest and you know where you're being targeted. If you're being targeted a certain area of the field above average compared to the rest or below average. Uh, North Carolina only like lined up or, or at least lined them up slash like only made them run routes on the left side of the football field, which is kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. So it, it was a... <sighs> UNC had a lot of good players. And, they have another good wide receiver too in this draft, right? Yeah, um, Daz News. I mean, I almost thought about talking about him. I, I really like him as a as a mid round slot guy. Um, although I kind of stayed away from the slot guys besides the last one I'm doing. Um, but it's like they had the two running backs. Their offensive line wasn't horrible, and they have you know those wide receivers. And then Sam Howell. I'll tell you what. After the freshman year, I was very high on Sam Howell. After a sophomore year, I still like him, but I'm not as high as Sam Howell. Uh, high on uh, Sam Howell as I was before. All right. And that so was, we're happy. That uh, was our QB uh, preview of the 2022 draft class. There you go. Boom. That's it. We're done. Diami. I love Diami. Diami. Round two. UNC. Here's something. Now, one of my favorite. I like the UNC guys this year, obviously. And, you and, do. And Diami and then Chas Surratt. Uh, have we ever had a UNC wide receiver workout? Oh, Hakeem Nix. Have we ever had a UNC linebacker workout? Oh, Lawrence Taylor. UNC is good to the New York Giants. Hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. Round two. Possible round two option. Another possible round two option is round Ron Dale Moore. 5'7", 181 pounds from Purdue. Think Joe Judge was at this guy's pro day? Did we even get a picture of them chatting together? Am I Am I losing it? I can't remember. I think we did. And if I am wrong, then I'm a stupid idiot. But what else is new? My plus-plus category. Um, again, you want to talk about a playmaker, uh, big play machines at the wide receiver spot. Look no further than Rondale Moore. He led college football with 37 broken tackles on 114 catches in 2018. And he had seven broken on 29 catches for 385 yards before going down for the season in week four of 2019. His 37 broken tackles after the catch in 2018 led the FBS. That's four more than any power five receiver has broken in a single season since 2014. 2014, that's kind of bananas. On top of that, Moore burnt off 349 yards after contact, which led all FBS receivers. He is an elite yards after the catch yak option. Elite quickness and hard to press at the line of scrimmage, even though he's 5'7", 181 pounds. He's very strong in the lower half. Runs a beautiful, sharp out route. My plus category, Moore at Purdue wasn't just a player who feasted off of easier competition. Some of his best games and highlight-worthy plays came against Wisconsin and Ohio State. Ohio State, that game was so... That that game was the game for Rondale Moore. Yep, and he was a huge part of that upset against Ohio State in 2018, collecting 12 catches, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. Dwayne Haskins was a big part of that game, too, because he sucks. 
Mm, two rushing attempts for 24 yards as well. It was his best game of that season. He also has the ability to return kicks. Another guy who has the ability to do that. My minus category only has played seven games the last two seasons. That is a huge minus. Um, limited route tree. Uh, I guess I, I I regret kind of writing that, but 47 of his 117 catches came from wide receiver screens. So it's something to just take into account. Probably limited to the slot because of his size. I mean, 5'7", especially. Overall, the respect that teams showed more like Ohio State and did in 2018 is crazy considering he didn't catch a lot of deep balls. I think that's why I said limited route tree, Bobby, because even though he's like he's very good in the intermediate part of the game, but they never they never tried to expand the field with him at Purdue like they like Jalen Waddell did at Alabama. Um, however, teams still respected his speed and Moore's ability to possibly be that deep option because they were playing like so far back in coverage because they didn't want this guy to you know run run over him run over the top. But he also creates a lot of separation coming out of his breaks as well. Crazy athletic, strong, and quick player. I've loved him since the spring. This is a guy that I talked about in the month of May too. Um, but the lack of reps is the reason why he is only a love it player for me. I really do love him though. If he played like he has played and has just played through without injuries and stuff. I do think he's higher up, and he'd probably be higher up. On, he'd probably be ahead of Diami for me, you know. And and I think people look at him and Kadarius as similar players, even though they're they're not. But Rondale Moore is uh is so freaking exciting, and he can he has the ability to be offense changing. Not like I think the rest of the guys we we talk about aren't like they're all good players, and they could be awesome players, and they could be you know have potential to be your wide receiver one. But I think Rondale's the one. That can change your offense. Like, please, God, don't let uh, Kansas City get Rondale Moore. It wouldn't be fair <laughs> if they got him. Um, he's real deal. And like you said, the best game was against, you know, in the big, the, his best game was in their biggest game in that up, upset win versus Ohio State. I mean, he is just electric, lightning bolt. Like, he just, like you said, they didn't throw the ball, like, in on, on deep passes to him, but it's just like they knew how fast he was, and they would play 20 yards off of him, yeah. basically, because they were so afraid of, of the deep threat. And even that, I mean, he was still able to break tackles, and even with guys closing on him, when you, when you know he's basically maybe running, like, a, a an out route, or he's running, like, a, you know, I don't want to get the route wrong, like a slant and go, um, you know, maybe you take like three steps to the outside, but then you cut, and then you go back inside, and you're basically running a slant, um, you know, even though like teams knew that he was going to be running an intermediate route because they just didn't really run him deep that much, teams would play off the line of scrimmage. They wouldn't be able to bring him down. They wouldn't be able to catch him, even though they would have more time to process what he's doing. The guy's just like scary good when he's out there. Yeah, he's he he is unreal. His yak ability, he is a he's he is a fun fun player. Speaking of fun, Justin, mm. this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew, guys. It's been a hell of a year. Personally, I feel like I've aged 12 years over the last 12 months. And if you're like me, you're feeling you're you're feeling your age more than you used to. It's time to snap out of it. Spring is here and it's time to get sprung with Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Fractions of the cost, guys. Blue Chew's tablets help men uh, achieve harder Stronger erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations like, you know, talking to your favorite podcast house. Don't worry about that. No. And no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Uh, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your pres- prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, on the internet. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Uh, don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Silidinfoil uh, and, and uh, Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Definitely pronounce that correctly. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from an extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Ooh. Try Blue Chew free for free. Frizzle. When you use our promo code GIANTS at checkout, 
Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code GIANTS to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Justin, Danny King has been using this stuff. Yeah. I, he tells he gives us tells us great stuff. He says, yeah. you know, Danny's in college and he said, like, he's just been wrecking people. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to him a little bit before the show. Um, and, uh, you know, he was describing, like, I can just get this in the mail room and the people that deliver the mail and the people that I get my packages from, the they don't even package. know. They're 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 scanning it and um and Danny King's like laughing. Well, thinking Danny actually told me one of the the mail people knows, but it oh. wasn't because of doing it through the mail. If you know, maybe what I mean. it, oh well, I was gonna say maybe one of the mail people also uses Bluetooth, so he recognized the discreet. Nope, nope, she doesn't use it. Um, she, she didn't see it in the pack package. Um, and then and then Danny, but Danny Danny let her know. Oh, yeah, I'm picking up. You can tell people it's just the the package is discreet. All right. All right, um, back on track. Speaking of huge, Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver from LSU, six foot three, two hundred five pounds. Guys, he is the rare combination of speed and size. Six foot three, and that tall receiver with good speed. In two thousand twenty, in seven games, he had forty eight catches, seven hundred thirty one yards, ten touchdowns, fifteen point two yards per catch on a seventy one percent catch rate. And then 2019, where he was sharing uh, the wide receiver room with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I mean, only the two best wide receivers of the last two draft class. 46 catches, 671 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Um, Now, this is kind of weird for Terrace. And it's not Terrence, by the way. It's Terrace. In 2020, he played in the slot 73% of the time. In 2019, he played on the outside 73% of the time. Well, you know why. Well, because of, uh, you know, because of Justin Jefferson. Yeah. But it's still weird that he went from a guy who plays outside 73% to in, to slot 73 and six foot three in the slot is, is very big. But anyways, vertical threat. That's, you know, he sets himself up for the curls, for the slants, for the digs. Um, Good, not great cuts in his routes, but he gets away with it because of the speeds and size, but, it, it, but it's not great. Um, with that size, he can have some crazy, crazy contested catches. He's very smooth and redirecting and, and stacking corners. Um, negatives, not very good versus press. You know, like he as as he's kind of skinny, even though he is two hundred five pounds. And if there's any wide receiver this is an issue for, it's Terrace Marshall. He had seven drops in twenty twenty. Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot. Seven seven drops on. I think it was like fifty five catchable passes. That's that's a lot. So. Terrace Marshall is the, like, he's the top of the second round talent for me. Where I think Diami and Ron Dale are first round talent, even though both of them might not go in the first round. Terrace Marshall is that top of the second round for me. Maybe we talk about this um, first half of the show. I just spit all over the place. I hope nobody saw that. Maybe we talk about this first half of the show, but there are a lot of guys that we're leaving off the list. So, is there anybody that we're not talking about today besides Jamar Chase that... You have higher than Terrace Marshall. Um, Tony, you have you Tony have is higher. right below him. So I oh right here, below. Here, okay. Jamar Chase, Jalen Wall, Devonte Smith, Diami, Rondale, Terrace, um, then Tony, and then Bateman and your next guy are eight and nine. I can't remember which okay. one. Okay, Amari Rogers, he's a little bit down below, right? Yeah, I think I might have him at like eleven. Okay, all right, cool. All right, Bobby, next on my list. Next on my list is Nico Collins from Nico. Michigan. Now, I would kind of consider Nico Collins, based off of how you described Terrace Marshall, I would almost describe Nico Collins as like Terrace Marshall light. <laughs> Except Nico Collins is big. Nico Collins is big, and I think Nico Collins is strong. He's 6'4", so he's about an inch bigger, um, 215 pounds, which is 15, and I think that's a solid 15 pounds. Um, and it's, this is another guy who has like a rare combination of size and speed. My plus plus category, Nico Collins, contested catch king. He has an awesome ability to track the, the deep ball and come down with the 50-50 catches. Over 50% catch rate when targeted over 20 plus yards down the field as well. He's able to separate late 
just before a deep ball arrives. And when you watch this, when you watch his like one-on-one reps at the senior bowl, I feel like you can see that there, you know, maybe he doesn't get good separation as he's going down the field or as you know, he's going throughout his routes. But if the ball's arriving, especially on the, like those deep ball, those 50, 50 contested catches, I feel like he gets separation late without pushing off, which is kind of cool. He has that number one alpha type size that, you know, everybody like loves to look at. Um, think of how intimidating it would be to face both Collins and Kenny Galladay every Sunday. Uh, think of how intimidating that would be. You're like your number one wide receiver, number two wide receiver. You know, it's Kenny Galladay and Nico Collins under both 6'4", which is kind of crazy. Average depth of target was 15 yards in 2019 and has 4.4 speed via his pro day unofficial. Yes. To be that size and have that speed is impressive nevertheless. My plus category, played and produced in an offense that is known for holding back talented football players and that's why i wanted to look at Nico big Collins. time dude because <laughs> i i did not like donovan people's jones last year like i wanted to i wanted to like donovan people's jones and then you know we saw him on sunday night football against the browns and he had like a solid rookie year and i was like all right that's it i need to like invest more into michigan players because i feel like you know harbaugh is ruining offenses um michael yeah. Wayne, another michigan guy Yes, he he opted out of the 2020 season, Nico Collins did, so he was competing for targets with Donovan Peoples-Jones in the 2019 season. Does a good job working his way back to the ball and going out and getting the ball versus letting the ball come to him. We were talking about that with Devonta Smith a little bit. My minus category does not utilize the complete route tree at Michigan and did not have a lot of production from the middle of the field. Largely, come, His production largely came from outside the hashes and towards the sideline. He's not great at creating separation on the intermediate routes. A little slow coming out of his breaks makes them more round versus sharp. Um, nothing I don't think he can he can't work on and refine at the pro level. Since I think he's naturally pretty fast for his size to begin with. Overall, I would love taking Nico Collins. Uh, no, let me. This is a question. Overall, would taking Nico Collins be a little redundant when you already have Darius Slayton? I can see that argument, but Slayton has the speed to be a burner versus Collins brings like kind of that speed, but also a whole other element of physicality. If the most unique thing about Jason Garrett's offense is going to uh, like the most unique thing about the vertical passing offense for Jason Garrett, if that's just going to be contested catches, um, then Nico Collins is the guy to target. He is a love it player for me because he has the potential um, to be like a third round pick. You know, if we want to go, let's just say we live in a world where we go defense round one, uh, which is very realistic, you know, with the edge conversation, defense round one, maybe a Landon Dickerson is somehow, you know, there in round two, Nico Collins could be there round three. And I would absolutely love to, to take him. Yeah. Um, he is like that contest. He really stood out the senior bowl as those contested catches, which was awesome seeing him going against top talent and having a QB throwing the ball. When I people use like limited route tree, Nico Collins had a limited route tree. It was like go ball, go ball. Every play, he's just like yeah. run deep, run deep, and he would get separation on them. Just like the ball wouldn't come to him, or it would it would be a you know overthrown. Um, so he does like he is that big guy on the outside who makes those contested catches. He's not just big; he makes those contested catches. But Bobby, um, I feel like we were saying very similar things about Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's like, oh, this is all that he does. This is all that he does. And I have a feeling, like, again, this is just like Michigan's offense. I, It's a feeling. It's just a feeling, and I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I like Nico. I mean, I like all these guys. This wide receiver class is so much fun to talk about. I mean, we had to leave so many guys off. It's deeper than the offensive line class, correct? Yes. Yes. Yes, I, 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 do, I do agree. You can just get a guard later, though. You could get a guard later. You could get a wide receiver later. You could get a tight end later. You could get an edge later. You can get an inside linebacker later. Get a corner later. Get a free safety later. Why we're all right. Dwayne Eskridge, another Senior Bowl guy. This guy was, he was the standout of Senior Bowl week. Wide receiver out of Western Michigan. How about that, Justin? So we've done ninety six players, maybe ninety since we cut off a little bit at the end. Sure. Two Western Michigan players. How about that? We talked. Wow. About, we talked about Jalen Moore. Now we're talking about Dwayne Eskridge. Five foot nine, 190 pounds. So he's a small dude. Weird career at Western Michigan. 2018 and 11 games, he has 38 catches, 776 yards, three touchdowns, 20 yards per catch. 2019, they're like, eh, this guy's probably going to have to play corner DB in the NFL. So they put him at DB. And then he gets injured. And then in 2020, 
In six games, in six games, he has 33 catches, 768 yards, eight touchdowns, 23 yards per catch on a 70% catch rate. Just unreal numbers. But the issue is like, oh, well, it's it's against really bad, um, like, competition. Like, he's just way faster than everybody because he's, he's, he is just a flat-out burner. Like, it's, it's nuts to watch him run past guys. But he was, like, the, the winner of the Senior Bowl, you know? So it's like, okay, now we saw him against Senior Bowl talent. And he did really well. So I feel like that really should bump up Eskridge. Like, and it did at the time. Like, Senior Bowl week. Like, you saw Dwayne Eskridge, like, top of the second round for a lot of people. Um, and now it's kind of went back down. I do think he is, like, bottom of the second round. Um, 24 years old, though. So he is a little older. Um, but he is fast, 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 man. Um, a lot of production. But it was a lot of his production, I think over half of it, was from, like, go balls, slants, and skinny posts. So where it was just like, hey, be just be fast, be fast and run with the ball. Like that's where a lot of it came from. Um, so his route lum- running is very limited, and it can be a little like his route his routes can be a little elongated. But when you do put him in a double move, man, he just gets a ton of separation, and his stop start ability is what separate as what like besides just the speed, like his stop start ability, like that is going to translate to the NFL. Um, Going to struggle versus press coverage. Like, he's really bad about, against press coverage. But if you put him in the slot, he's seeing less of that. Uh, and it doesn't get used. Um, and he's he's a good leaper. Like, if the ball's thrown high, he's, he'll catch it. But he does, like, he's not going to be a contested catch guy. So I feel like it's like these these critiques of Dwayne Eskridge is like, okay, those are all real. But in the NFL, he's going to play in the slot. You know? And he's not going to be doing a ton of contested catches. And he's yep. not going to be facing a ton of press coverage. And when he does face that press coverage, it's going to be against the nickel corner, not the team's cornerback one. So, I Dwayne Askridge, man, he's a player that a lot of people have fallen in love with. And I don't blame them because he is he is just electric to watch. And it's like, yeah, well, it's against, you know, Mac competition. It's like, I get Mac competition isn't great, but it's not like they're, you know, Division three, and he is just making dudes look silly at that level. And he did really well at at the Senior Bowl too. So I've seen him against Mac level and then Senior Bowl level talent, and he looked really good to me. He led the nation in yards after catch per reception with fourteen point four. And it's not like he was just oh you know is he is he catching a bunch of screens and that's why his yards after the catch is so impressive. No, his average depth of target is twelve point seven, which isn't like you know a burner. But, you know, it's not like you're averaging 8 yards. It's not like you're averaging 10 yards. It's almost 13 yards uh, when you're being targeted down the field. And he still had, you know, almost 14 and a half yards after the catch per reception. So that's uh, that's pretty darn impressive if you ask me, Bobby Skinner. Pretty freaking impressive. All right. Last player on our list. Is this our last player that we're previewing in this year's draft class? Yeah. Wow. It's been a journey. Um, I'm kind of glad, kind of glad it's over. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of pages of notes. I have like 32 pages of notes, single space typed out. Last player. I like this guy. I'm on Rob Brown, or excuse me, I'm on Ross St. Brown. 5'11", 197 pounds out of USC. My plus plus category. I first noticed St. Brown when I was looking at Elijah Vera Tucker, and he made some bananas catches against Notre Dame in 2019. I always feel like some of those, like some of those guys are like the best players, you know, I typically, you know, and Bobby, we we try to tell each other sometimes, like in the text message, oh, if you're watching this player, try and see if you can watch this player. We and we say we both can't do it. It's like impossible. We 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 can't do it. So um the fact that this guy did stick out to me though, as I was watching this one guy, you know, I was like, Oh, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna preview him when we get to the wide receivers, because he's really good. He runs a diverse route tree, St. Brown does. He works the sideline well, he works the middle of the field well and the intermediate part of the field too, impressed with his route running overall. Um, a very smooth football player who always found ways to be productive and make makes plays. It varies how he releases off of the line of scrimmage as well. My plus category, he has been productive for a solid three-year stretch since he was a freshman in 2018 at USC because he's a junior this year. Tracks the ball well in the air. Does well when a QB improvises. So when a QB's improvising, I feel like that's the majority of the NFL. Daniel Jones does this sometimes. Doesn't do it a lot. But, you know, when a QB breaks containment um, and he has to improvise and uh, somebody has to get open, um, he does a good job of, like, getting open and knowing where the QB is, finding the QB and connecting with them. My minus category, average athleticism, average quickness, average strength. Doesn't get the most separation out of breaks either. Overall, St. Brown is fluent 
in both French and German. Bet you didn't know that, Bobby Skinner. So similar to his languages background. Oh, you did. Look at that. Similar to his languages background, he is a very well-rounded wide receiver. He is a smooth, well-rounded wide receiver, like I said, a safe player who has three years of production, who doesn't pop out, but also does not have a lot of glaring holes. He is a like-it player for me, who's very close to a love-it player, but I really do think St. Brown can have a solid pro career. Smooth football player. Yeah, he's just kind of a guy to me. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, you know, he's going to play in the slot. He's a you know solid guy. He can run the whole route tree. Not going to blow you with his speed. He's going to make some tough catches. Um, he's a guy to me. I think, um, I like him. I like him. But he's yeah. not like he's not in my top ten. Tough. That's a We're draft. Done. That's a draft preview season right there, baby. Um been fun now hey we will be back on we're gonna try and do an early release on wednesday night for the thursday podcast we are putting out our draft day episode which includes our mock drafts which is what we you know what we you know what we go to the grave with is as what we wanted for the team um which i think is a fun episode you get those draft day vibes i the draft day podcast is a vibe bro like it, it's it's one i listen back to you know, like it's it's one of mine that me and Danny King, uh, you know, I listened back to mine and, and Danny King's version of it. It is a fun freaking episode. I cannot wait for it. Um, we'll obviously be live streaming during the whole uh, the whole draft. So make sure to join that in YouTube. Let's have a freaking week, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Bleeding Blue with License Play Guy later today at six o'clock. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. We really do. We'll see you for the draft day pod and mock drafts. Until then. Let's go big blue.